Hey, everybody. Welcome to the You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo. That's me, Father John. I'm the executive director at Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. I'm here with uh, my fellow missionary, one of our partners on team, Mary Guilfoyle. Mary, how are you? I'm good, Father John, and you? I'm well, thanks. It's 60 mile an hour winds outside, so I'm glad I'm not flying today. <laughs> well, I think the Holy Spirit's moving. I got to tell you, it was, a, it was a challenge just driving in the 60 mile an hour winds. Yeah, it feels a little bit a like challenge. Pentecost out there, even though it's <laughs> Advent, right? So uh, hopefully people are safe wherever you are. I know the Midwest has been going through some terrible storms of late, even as we uh, say this, maybe we can just... Uh, Remember in our prayers and silence, uh, all those uh, who were affected by the, the tornado, especially in, in, in Kentucky, Kentucky over this right. past weekend. So, uh, yeah, God be with all of them uh, in the midst of trying to rebuild their lives and those who are mourning and grieving. And uh, that ties into everything we're talking about, right? And then this theme of Advent and why we need a Savior and what it is that we think the Lord wants to uh, put on our lips today and, uh, and to share with folks. What's our topic, Mayor? Yeah, Father John, we're going to talk about learning to trust from Mary. That sounds like a book. It does sound like a book, and I'm holding it in my hands, and it's beautiful and glorious. The title is Learning to Trust from Mary, Meditations on the Rosary, written by yours truly, Father John Ricardo. So that's what we want to talk about today. So before we dive into this beautiful new book, Father John, how about we pray? Yeah, indeed. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Lord, we do pray for those who have had their lives uh, turned upside down uh, over these last number of weeks. We pray for those who've been impacted by the storms of the weekend, that you would be with them uh, as only you can to bring comfort and peace, uh, your grace uh, in the midst of trials and struggles and loss. Lord, we pray for the people here in the state of Michigan uh, who continue to grieve and try to move forward after the school shootings uh, at Oxford High School. Lord, we pray for all the many in the country right now who are finding life challenging. We ask in a special way through the intercession of Our Lady uh, that you would pour out an abundance of your grace upon them, break through, show yourself, your faithfulness, uh, be who you are for them a good father. We ask your anointing now in our conversation that it might be edifying and encouraging. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name, name of the, the Father, father son, and the Son, Spirit. and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so to be clear, you know, I, I don't really want to talk about the book so much, although we got to, um, but it really want to talk about Mary uh, and, uh, and the charism of trusting, you know, or the gift of trusting, uh, especially in these days of Advent and especially in the midst of all the hardships that's going on. But, but it is probably worth saying a little bit something about the book, right? Yeah. So, Father John, I'm curious to know why did you, why did you write this book? I was terribly bored. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no. Really, what was in your mind? So, you know, I wrote it. Uh, uh, wrote it for a couple of reasons. One is uh, I, I personally had a long struggle coming to a relationship with Mary. Um, in fact, it wasn't until I'm 25 and a half years ordained now, a priest, and uh, I don't think I started praying the Rosary daily anyway, until about 14 years ago. And, um, I struggled greatly with Mary for a lot of reasons. One, I found that I found some people's, uh, devotion to her a bit much and I was off putting for me. Um, and even as a Catholic, uh, I, I was one of those people who would say like, well, why would I waste my time with Mary when I can just talk to Jesus? And so I, I had a really 
uh, kind of an immature understanding of the saints and the role of the saints mm-hmm. in general, but then of, of Mary in particular. And so I, I just thought my own experience of uh, having to struggle with developing a friendship with her was not that unusual. And maybe it's, maybe it'll scandalize some people, uh, but maybe it gives hope to others who don't have um, quite the relationship with her yet that they would like to have. Father John, that was exactly my thought. I would imagine that's going to make a, a fair number of people um, hopeful because that's probably a lot of people's experience, I would imagine. And, and even though I'm born and raised Catholic and uh, I knew who our Blessed Mother was and uh, grew up with a Hail Mary, um, I too from college on struggled praying the rosary and I felt like she could eclipse Jesus. Mm. And it wasn't until I think I went to Lourdes and Fatima on a pilgrimage. I don't know. I think it was 2010. I'm not for sure. And I remember sharing with people, I felt like I was born again Mm. in Mary Mm. and in having that experience with the maternity of Mary, especially in Lourdes. um, I came to know Jesus even more deeply than I could have ever imagined. So I I didn't have exactly your struggle, but I was a little bit late in coming. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's one of the the virtues of of talking, you know, is, is letting people in on how other people have mm-hmm. struggled and experienced uh, challenges with faith because so all too often we can feel like, oh, there's something wrong with me. When in fact, what most of us go through is actually pretty common. I can remember to this day walking down the street in Rome. Uh, so I was living there in the early 90s and John Paul, who's one of my heroes, who I'll talk about a little bit more in a moment, you know, his, his motto was uh, totus tuo, you know, I'm, yes, I'm entirely totally yours. yours. And that meant entirely Mary's, mm-hmm. you know, to do with as she wanted in service of her son, the king. So this wasn't, once you understand the role of Our Lady, you realize why this is not a slight in the least on her son. Uh, but anyway, I was I was walking down the street and I was so inspired by him, but also provoked by him. Uh, to develop a, a, a deeper friendship with uh, with Mary. I remember looking up into the sky. I don't know why mm. we always look up into the sky when we pray, but I, I did. And I just said, Lord, I think this is backwards. I think, it, I think Mary's supposed to take me to you. But I'm asking you to take me to her uh, just to introduce me to your mother because mm. I don't think I know her. That's so beautiful, and Father. I'm still learning to get to know her and, and the other saints, but... But the Lord answered that prayer really profoundly. So that's really why I wrote it. So Father John, um, what is, um, what's in the book? I mean, I mean, tell us what, what, what's unique or special about this particular meditation on the rosary. Sure, yeah, three things. So one is uh, it's illustrated by a, a dear friend of ours, Marie Matos, yes. uh, who's just a, a great sister in the Lord. And so she, she's written or, or uh, illustrated these beautiful depictions of the mysteries of the rosary. So that's something. So it's, it's a small book. It's meant to be a, a guide to prayer. And of course, because uh, art is so powerful, uh, it, that can be a helpful way just to enter into the mysteries. So one is the illustrations from Marie. Two are just personal reflections that I've written on the mysteries. And then three is the introduction. So oftentimes, like when, when I was younger and even more recently, I, I would skip or, you know, like fly through the introduction. But especially since I started writing books, the introduction is really it's important. Really like important. it's there for a reason. That's right. And the introduction in this is really important. The introduction is more like an apologetic for the communion of saints and understanding of the communion of saints. 
maybe especially, but not just for uh, some of our non-Catholic brothers and sisters in the Lord who just don't understand why the church has the love for uh, the saints that we do. So it's that, and then it's an apologetic for, for Mary as well, and a little bit of my own story of just coming to know her. It's beautiful. Father John, I remember, um, so obviously I have the book, and uh, I hadn't read the introduction, but in the introduction, you talk about a way of praying the rosary to keep our minds focused on on the uh, mysteries. And I remember years ago, back in the late 90s, you taught me the Germanic way of saying the rosary, and I was pleased and surprised to see you including that in the introduction. I would love for you to share with everybody a little bit about that style of praying. I think Von Balthasar is the one who talked about this. So it's my understanding anyway, that it's a, it's a Germanic way of praying the rosary, at least for some, or that's where the tradition comes from. So what they do is they always insert the mystery that you're meditating on into the rosary so that it, it remains clearly a Christocentric prayer. So, for example, uh, when you're meditating on the sorrowful mystery of the scourging at the pillar, uh, the way you would pray the Hail Mary would be, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who was scourged at the pillar for me. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So it's, it's just this tremendous way of keeping Jesus front and center, what you're asking Our Lady to do is just walk with you as you ponder and meditate on the various mysteries uh, of our Lord's and his mother's life. It's beautiful. It It helped me learn how to pray the rosary in the way that the rosary was meant to be prayed, Mm. somewhat contemplatively, right? And keeping all the mysteries in the fore of our minds. I was so glad to see you, uh, so happy rather to see you share that. Yeah. You know, I, let me just say this, because I, I think what the, what the Lord's really put on my heart this week, what we were talking about uh, offline, is just this need really to focus in on trust. And the introduction begins with an, an experience that, uh, actually, you were on that pilgrimage. We were in Czestochowa. Yep. So we were in Poland. And uh, as we were pulling up to this, you know, spectacular Marian shrine, I think it's my favorite Marian shrine in the world. I've been there three times now. And I was rereading John Paul's homilies from one of his visits back to Poland as Pope. And at one point he says um, something to the effect of, I am a man of great trust. I learned to be so here at this shrine of Mary. And so for those of us who may not be uh, aware, John Paul's his mother died when he was young, so he grows up without a mom. His mom was a really remarkable woman. His father dies when he's, uh, when he's young as well, and then his brother dies. So he, by the age of 21, he's an orphan, and he's, he, his family's gone. And yet this is the man who we over and over again associate the words, do not be afraid with. And I've always been struck by that. And it's as if John Paul was trying to say to us the whole secret to how he was able to say that, how he grew in faith, even in the midst of not just the terrible loss of his mom, his dad, his brother, but uh, the horrific endurance of World War II, all that that meant for the Polish people, uh, the Soviet occupation of Poland, all that that meant for the Polish people, that he could say, do not be afraid. And so I think he's encouraging us to 
have Mary move from being this unrelatable, sterile statue to somebody who is inviting us to come to school and to let her teach us how to trust. I, I was just listening to this spectacular uh, talk given by one of the Sisters of Mercy uh, or one of the sisters who belongs to the Divine Mercy Order in Poland. And she was talking about St. Faustina's life and how many of us, I think, have this image of the saints that, you know, God does spectacular things, he breaks in, and then he just makes everything really simple. And that was anything but the case with Faustina. And it was anything but the case for Mary. I mean, if anybody you would think had a right to have a, you know, quote unquote, easy life, it's the woman who's going to bear the eternal son of God, who's the creator of the universe. Mm. And yet her life is from the moment she says yes to the archangel Gabriel, everything is overturned, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's clear, for example, and, and let me finish that thought. Because it's all overturned, what John Paul is trying to invite us to understand is nobody had to learn to trust like Mary did, even though she's without sin. She has to learn to trust. And because she learned to trust in the way that she did, going through all that she did, she is able to be a witness to us and a teacher to us of how wise it is for us to put our lives into God the Father's hands and the reasons that we have to trust in her son, even when even. everything looks like it's going wrong or I just can't figure it out. You know, what? one of the things uh, that I love that you wrote in the, in the introduction was it was more or less a walk through Mary's life. It, it's almost written as a litany of trust. So you, you walk through her whole life from, from, from the moment of the Annunciation uh, to the cross. To the resurrection, actually. And, and as I was praying with this, um, it's so easy, or, or it's, it's more helpful for me now. I can insert um, a prayer of trust into every season of my life, mm. whether it's you know marriage and family, whether it's mission, whether it's friendships, whatever it is, my entire life, I can look at my life um, through the lens of trust as somewhat of a litany and insert my story as you inserted all those seasons in Mary's life as occasions to trust. Does that make sense? Did yeah, I, totally. Is that clear? Yeah, totally. And f- so for example, right? So here's, here's a woman who, we, we know this from Luke 1 and from the story of the Annunciation. So she's, she's married to Joseph, but she clearly, they, they clearly have no intention of having children and of, and of living a celibate marriage. How do we know that? Because Gabriel comes to her and says, uh, you're going to have a child. And Mary says, how in the world is that going to happen? Well, what Gabriel should have said if this was going to be uh, a normal marriage was, well, pretty easily, you're going to uh, have relations and you're going to have a child. Mm-hmm. And instead he says, um, don't worry, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you and the child will be called the son of the most high. You know, as if Gabriel's saying, see, and as somebody said, Mm-hmm. It's a, it, Mary's response mm-hmm. should have been, no, I don't see. Mm-hmm. Like, what in the world are you talking about? Right. Like, I have, I have no idea what this means. And 
So she has this incredible plan to totally, this is the earliest tradition of Our Lady, right? She has, she has this intention to dedicate her whole life to the Lord, but to do it betrothed to a man because there's no role for consecrated life in the Jewish faith in the first century. It's extraordinarily rare, especially for a woman. She has no one to protect her. So she's getting married, but she's, they're going to live in a, in a unique kind of relationship. And, and that's a great plan. Right? That's a noble plan. That's a heroic plan. That's a, that's a generous plan. That's an offering of my life to God. And God says, thanks very much. That's actually not what I have for you. I have something else for you. I have something more, M-O-R-E, all caps, exclamation oh my gosh, point. And it turns everything upside down, right? And so, you know, you and I can read that story as, you know, some fanciful little thing, but this woman wakes up, you know, within... 30 days or so and recognizes I'm pregnant this and I haven't been true. with a man. And so, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding. So again, you'd think, okay, I'm going to be the mother of God. I have conceived uh, by the Holy Spirit. Surely all will go well, but nothing goes well, right? I mean, nothing goes well, whether it's nosy neighbors and, you know, you can just imagine what Nazareth was like as they talk about this, you know, unexpected pregnancy because they're already married, but they're not living together because that was the custom or whether it's going to Bethlehem and not finding a place to, to give birth in a, in a dignified and suitable way to Herod coming after all the children, trying to slaughter them or her having to flee to Egypt. You got to believe Mary is tempted. I got to believe tempted over and over to, to say something like, Lord, this can't be the plan. Like clearly this can't be the plan. Or Jesus' hidden life and he's doing nothing, you know, by all accounts, right? Mm -hmm. He's doing lots to be sure, but we don't see anything spectacular. You think, I'm thinking if I'm Mary, even if I'm without sin, I think, I'd be tempted to go, uh, when are you going to do something? You know, like... Did we go through all that for a bookcase or a, a nice door frame or a beautiful house? I mean, when are you going to do what you're going to do? And then he starts doing what he's going to do. And, and a small crowd of people gather around him and then uh, unrest gathers around him. And then one of his 12 bestest friends or best friends betrays him. And then the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders condemn him. And then before she knows it, she's standing or kneeling, grabbing the upright beam of the cross with her son, blood raining down upon her as he's dying. And I got to believe she is in her mind going back to the day when Gabriel appeared to her and said, um, he will be great and his kingdom will have no end. And she has to be tempted to think, how, how is anything going to work out well? How is anything going to be made right out of this? There and, was and then the resurrection happens. And in, in, you know, the, the, Many of the saints have always said, even though we have no scriptural account of this, it just isn't possible that the first person Jesus doesn't appear to um, is anybody other than Mary. It's got to be. And, and, it's, yeah. and, and again, the saints have said perhaps it's not recorded simply because there's no way to describe what this would have possibly looked like. And it's as if the Lord looks at Mary and says, do you understand now? Yeah. And so, again, the, the point of all that how many of us are tempted in the midst of school shootings, uh, storms that 
uh, that take lives, that ruin businesses, the, the craziness of the culture we're living through right now, our children being in wherever they are, we're tempted to go, Lord, where are you? Like, this can't be the plan. And yet what the Lord's inviting us to do is to trust him. And Mary can teach us how to do that. So there's so much that you just shared um, that is uh, worthy of taking to prayer and unpacking. The word that's on my mind as I'm listening to you talk and I'm revisiting some things, uh, some, some of your beautiful words in the introduction is the word uh, ponder. So, so, you know, we don't hear many of Mary's words in the word of God, but we know she pondered all things in her heart. Can you imagine what she was pondering for 33 years? And in a particular way, after he was crucified, went to bed that night and wondered how is anything how is any, like you said, how is anything going to be made right? And it wasn't just one night she went to bed like that. A couple nights she had to go to sleep like that yeah. before before Holy Saturday. Um, you know, I was talking with a dear friend of mine uh, a couple weeks ago just about that very thing, pondering mm-hmm. with her. Mm-hmm. You know, because as you just said, I mean, we're struggling with all kinds of things. I was talking with a good friend of mine just a couple days ago, a high school junior in our local high school that's just a couple blocks from me. Um, this young man took his life. Mm-hmm. And his family, as you can just imagine, just asking all kinds of questions, you know, the why of all of that. I think maybe one of the things that, I mean, we ponder those things on our heart too, but we're pondering those with Mary because Mary has walked uh, that and more, right? Yeah, and, and, and she's right now pondering her son in glory on his throne. Amen. And, and, Amen. and so she's able to remind us again as we bring to the Lord and ask her intercession as well uh, in the intercession of the saints for the needs that we have, she's able to just say, my son is faithful and he is so powerful and he's so merciful. You know, maybe, I, maybe I'll end with this. I, um, I was just talking to my spiritual director the other day and sharing with him. I feel like I'm on a threshold in my life hmm. in just in my relationship with Jesus. And uh, I, I just felt for some time, probably a lot of people in the pandemic have felt like they're in something of a rut, but, um, it went almost immediately in talking with him, just this wise uh, older priest from feeling frustrated to being just energized about an opportunity that I feel the Lord's giving or an invitation that the Lord's giving. And so in my mind, I see um, myself standing, uh, looking at a doorway and uh, inside the doorway is black. It's dark and coming out of the doorway is a hand. And the hand is Jesus's hand. And it's not dark because the Lord lives in darkness. It's dark because uh, I can't see where he's inviting me, you know, and it's, it's obscure as it often is, as it was for Mary, uh, as it is for so many people right now. And the Lord's just saying, take my hand and let me walk with you um, into the darkness with trust. And I went, oh, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. You know, like I, I will respond to that. And so maybe just exhort those who feel uh, maybe not so much like they're in a rut, but who feel, could be that, perplexed right now, who feel like the Lord is nowhere near, who feel like 
he's absent or distant or hiding, and he does hide, uh, to be sure. Maybe just in, in your own prayer, if that's where you feel you are, whether it's about some situation in your own life or a, a child's life or a spouse or whatever it might be, just see the Lord's hand reaching out to take yours and inviting you to walk into the obscurity and into the darkness, even as Mary did, and to do so with absolute radical trust because the one whose hand is stretched out is the one who became flesh for you and me uh, that we're about to celebrate here at Christmas coming uh, oh so soon and who has triumphed over sin and death and who has gloriously risen from the grave and who will return and make all things new one day soon. Father John, what a beautiful uh, consolation, what a beautiful image for for all of us to pray for. Thank you for that. Hey, before um, before we close out our conversation, uh, I would just love to tell folks where they can, where they can find uh, this book. Um, it was uh, published by uh, Word Among Us and us and us. It was co. It was co. Um, published by Acts Twenty Nine Press and our dear friends at Word Among Us. Uh, you, you can find it in Catholic bookstores. It's on Amazon, and you can also get it on our website, which is actsxxix.org. Um, it's a beautiful, beautifully written book. Uh, shout out to our dear sister Marie. Uh, it's just uh, a, a treasure to have and. Uh, may Mary teach us to trust as uh, she has, and may we come to know Jesus more intimately because uh, of this wonderful companion to the Rosary, Father John. Thanks. Glory to God, huh? Yeah, and because amen. this is all true and because uh, the Lord is faithful, and we are about to celebrate the extraordinary reality of him becoming flesh so as to rescue us from sin and death, do not be afraid. God is with you, and you were born for this. 